You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Listeners, it is the morning for us, and oh yeah, I should stop saying good morning because it's not always the morning for you for your listening. But it, I think that that works. It's probably it's the middle of the night, the middle of a sleepless night, <laughs> late at Hot night when you turn night. on some femsplained to get you through yeah. those lonely evenings. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are drinking our coffee and yep. being awake to record this podcast. So it's the morning for us, and that's all I care about. It's true. That Sailor Moon Cat Luna wearing... uh, (laughs) Luna (gasps) t-shirt wearing cat is Avalon. I did remember. And thank you for remembering that. That actually meant a lot to me. (laughs) And Diana has wet hair. It's very wet. I just showered. It's also a big mop. Yeah, Diana kind of has a mop hair. I do. We, I think we both need haircuts. I definitely need a haircut, but I'm, I'm really indecisive about if I should change it or not. You know, like, should I switch it? Should I go full mohawk? Or should I be an adult and not do that? I, don't I mean, I think you should do whatever you want. Well, thanks for the support, Avalon. But I also think that what you've been doing is cute. Okay, so I'll probably just do that again. Because I do whatever you tell me but to you, do. Uh, no, no, I, I genuinely support whatever you want. <laughs> I know, but I, I I just like not making choices, so uh, putting that responsibility oh. on you helps me. Um, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Femsplain. Yeah. Uh, what is Femsplained? Well, all right. What is Femsplained? Uh, so Femsplained is like this girls only clubhouse podcast where these two girls who are clearly in a queer platonic relationship uh, get to nerd out over something that they are super passionate about. Yay! We just learned that term. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that people of every gender and non-gender can't listen, laugh, and learn with us. But we do feel like it's extremely important and powerful to have femme-led, candid conversations about our experiences. You're damn right. And last week, uh, we did our homework episode where we recapped all the things that we've done based on each other's experiences, like me watching a ton of Sailor Moon and Avalon Avalon completely becoming engrossed in the Critter universe and me hating Clara in Doctor Who. Uh, Also, just some feedback, I, I learned that season nine is yet another season of all Clara. So I have more Clara that what? I have to get through before I can get to Bill. I'm sorry. I, thought I know you, you, <laughs> you made me feel so, <laughs> so safe. And now I know the oh, truth. Oh no. Yeah, I have more. I can't even imagine what's left to happen if her boyfriend stuff already happened. Yeah. Oh, well, <sighs> I guess I'll find out and let you know. <laughs> I just want you to get to Bill. I do so bad. I might just skip 
fit. Uh, to be yeah, I mean, the only reason why I was asking you to go back and do the Clara episodes um, was because I you needed to meet Missy. True, true, and I don't want to skip. So I Missy, guess if you've so. met. Yeah, maybe we can just figure out which episodes in season nine have Missy. Yeah, I would do that. I would do like a Missy-thon. Yeah. I would do that. Absolutely. Okay, and then you can just skip to Bill. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I need to talk about it. I'm dying. I know, I know. Oh, but what are we doing this week instead? Um, well, you know, I don't really feel comfortable being the one who says what we're doing this week because I feel... Like, just kind of insecure and, and not so sure about how to choose a topic or, or how to introduce it properly. Yeah. And I just would feel a lot more comfortable if we could find a man to do it. Yeah. Can we just find a man for once to okay. help us explain something? Thank God. In a man's flame, Putting one minute on the man watch. Go. Coheed and Cambria. It's a metal band. To start with. This much I know. My brother Alex used to listen to a lot of metal in high school. And he was always trying to get me to listen to, you know, the metal. He was always trying to find me intro metal. Dragon. Rage. Metallica. These more melodic baby metal bands. And I know that Coheed and Cambria was either one that he wanted me to listen to or Coheed and Cambria was just another band I heard of at the time. But they are absolutely a metal band. The first singer is named Coheed. The other one is named Cambria. One of them plays bass guitar. The other one is the drummer. And those are the only instruments in Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> Yay! Okay, I'm so hyped, Avalon. I've wanted to talk about this for uh, three million years. I want to talk about it every day of my life. Uh, also, I would really like to acknowledge that this is not how my voice normally sounds because I have a cold, and so I'm sounding raspy and and deep and sultry. Uh, yeah, I think it's good, it's, but I am sorry that you're experiencing a cold. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, but uh, we are talking about Coheed and Cambria, which is one of my favorite things, possibly my favorite thing on this earth, <laughs> like to consume. I was recently asked the like, you know, five albums that you would bring on a desert island uh, question and it was like it's all going Cambria albums so like yeah this is this is an all-consuming sort of media for me and has been since I was very young so um, I'm excited to talk about it and I'm also so sorry Avalon <laughs> I am such a music snob I know and I have I genuinely have not listened at all. Um, I just have a lot of reasons to have a negative opinion. <laughs> Is it because the fans are really trashy? It's because my interactions with a couple of fans yeah. 
have been negative. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have that sort of, sort of like Doctor Who fans. You know, there are like Doctor Who fans and they're like Doctor Who fans and they can kind of like yeah. put you off to the, yeah. And, and Doctor Who fans, uh, we've established in a previous episode, did put me off for a long time. Yeah. But in hindsight, they at least were like warm. I, I've, the people, the Coheed people I've met have been douchebags. That's so strange to me because I have the opposite experience. (laughs) I've always, like, anytime I go to a Coheed and Cambria show, anytime that I run into a Coheed and Cambria fan, it's like meeting a long-lost cousin or, like, a gaggle of long-lost cousins who just, like, open their arms and they're just like, I love you, welcome home. And then we all start a sick guitar riff together. It's really, like, it's a very, it's always been a very... uh, like welcoming fandom in my experience. Um, but I know. So it's like fish. So if I think about it like fish or the Grateful Dead. Yeah. In terms of whatever the hell's going on. It absolutely is that fans. level of, it's that level. I don't know but any that, I can, that makes sense to me yeah. more. But then it's not like that because there's a storytelling aspect, right? So it's also. Yeah. Coe and Cambria like are what is called thing. a concept band. So they, they're every, every, I know, roll your (laughs) eyes, Avalon, be (laughs) shitty about it. (laughs) So, (laughs) so that means everything that they put out music wise is, is part of a coherent story with the exception of their very last latest album. Their latest album was the first of all of their albums to be outside the uh, storytelling aspect and to be about their personal like lives and experiences so that's uh that was a new thing they wanted to like take a break and do that but other than that since they came together as a band which i mean predates them being a part of Coheed and cambria they've been writing music that is a part of this story that is called the amory wars uh, and used to be called the Bag Online Adventures, which was a real stupid name. Uh, <laughs> but we forgive them for that because the Emory Wars is cooler. For sure. Mm. That sounds cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of a verse is this? Is it sci-fi? It's very sci-fi. It's dense sci-fi, okay. too. It's really, um, it's difficult to follow. And it's actually sort of, no one, they, they put out so much media. That's what I think I love about them. Because when I love something... I never want to stop consuming it. And Coe and Cambria do me that favor where they just put out too much content. So I never have to stop consuming. So, so, um, it's science fiction. It's very dense and no one aspect of their media tells the story in full. You need to have all the parts together to uh to have them uh to have it work so they uh claudio sanchez who is the the front man to coheed cambria wrote uh, a comic book series that coincides with the music of coheed cambria's albums and those comic books fill in the gaps and sort of intermingle with the music and tell the full story all together mm. The story is is genuinely good uh, and has some really um, 
heartbreaking and, and um, emotional turns and has really captured me. And then, um, and then he wrote a novel that was based, that basically acted like a prequel that set the stage and set uh, up his world building for this sci-fi futuristic um, post-Earth. It's a post-Earth like uh, terraforming, you know, society type of science fiction. So we've we've okay. gone. Humanity had to spread out to the stars because Earth died, and we sort of uh, built a whole new network of planets where humanity had all gone to. Uh, all of those planets being sort of interconnected um, in something called Heaven's Fence. The that's the setting, um, and then the story is really about. Well, Coheed and Cambria Kilgannon. Uh, they, they are the two um, protagonists of the first part of the story. Um, oh. Yeah, Coheed and Cambria are, are they their siblings? Names. They are a married couple. Oh. Yep. And they are two. They have the same last name, though, because that doesn't feel very progressive or futuristic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say. As much as I, I love my, um, I love the Omri Wars. I love Claudio Sanchez. Um, these are not. These are definitely no saga. These are not the most woke comics you will ever read. All right. They're very uh, cliched in parts, but they are still good. So yes, okay. Claudia, uh, Coheed and Cambria marry, and they they take the same last name. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, is it hers? It is not. I'm I'm further sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> the Kilgannons are two parts of uh, so so the basic start to this story is that uh, a terrorist uh, organization, a very powerful terrorist organization, uh, uses um, scientific experience uh, to try to create you know. Uh, superhumans, it's a really common, uh, you know, theme in science fiction is trying to create super soldiers, trying to uh, use science to modify human beings so that they would be a weapon. And Coheed and Cambria are two parts of a three-part uh, body in this experience called the uh, KBI, the Knowledge, the Beast, and the Inferno. And they... I'm confused. I'm sorry. I know you are. So... Tell me, the, tell me what you mean by two-part, three-part body. So there were three uh, people who were experimented on to become this, like, human weapon. Um, Coheed, Cambria, and Coheed's... Is it Coheed's brother? Oh, boy, I'm already... Yes, yes. And Coheed's brother, Jesse, is the third part. So, (laughs) I know. Why didn't Jesse get a cool space name? I know. (laughs) He didn't get a cool space name at all. Uh, So... Coheed, Cambria, and Jesse were three parts of this initial experiment. They were created and uh, modified into this super weapon that was meant to um, fight on behalf of this terrorist organization, wound up revolting against it, and unfortunately, ultimately lost. And that is the first part of the story, is them sort of trying to fight this uh, terrorist organization. Uh, led by this guy who is on my shirt right now, who uh, mm. is um, General Mayo Deftonwolf. 
It looks like Nick Fury it's, as played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. He's actually, he's a cyborg. He's not a, a human being. Okay. He's a robot person. And the most terrifying general the fence has ever seen. So that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story picks up years later. Coe and Cambria are living in this new world run by this oppressive government that they failed to defeat. But they've tried to get over it. They've started a life. They've settled. They've you know, slipped into uh, some normalcy with it, and they've had some kids, uh, one of whom is the self-insert character that Claudio wrote in, and then it's Claudio Kilgannon. So he's sort of this, oh. yeah. Um, but, like, the teenage, you know, version of himself. This boy, as he's growing up, you know, sort of uh, your standard awkward teenage protagonist. The general, uh, Defton Wolf and, um, and company, come to tell Coheed and Cambria that the virus that was put inside them to make them what they are has uh, genetic components and is likely been passed down to their kids. Um, of course. And that they will uh, have to surrender them to the government for experimentation and testing. And they give them the option instead to kill them themselves or to pass them over to the government for this like experimentation and going. Why would they give them that option? <laughs> if they want them enough to experiment on them, why would they be okay? Because with them it was a killed? ruse. What they really wanted was they wanted them to take the kids out of the equation uh, as quietly as possible because one of them in her like genetic makeup had the cure for this virus. So they they like lied to the family, told them this is bullshit story. Is the virus story. bad? What? Is the virus bad? The virus Doesn't it give you superpowers? It gives them superpowers, but they don't have really that much control over those superpowers. Instead, the like government agency has some has more control over those powers than they do. Why would the government agency be afraid of the cure? Because then they can't use those weapons and trigger them when they want to. So Coe and Cambria, even though they thought like, okay, we lost and we're free now, the government still had like this plan to use them in the future. If they can't control the superpowers, how have they been blending in with normal society? It because the they're not being like activated is is what is happening by the people that created the virus. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's science fiction, right, Avalon. Right. It's not... <laughs> well, it's not, it's not the science fiction part. It's the motivation part. Okay, all right. So government gives them this option. Yep. How many kids they have? They have... Uh, too many. Ma Matthew and Mariah are two young twins. They have Josephine, who um, is, like, in her early 20s. And then they have Claudio, who is a 17-year-old boy. In a post-Earth world, four children is glaringly irresponsible. It's really irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. Coe yeah. and okay. Cambria uh, made some bad choices, I think, personally. Josephine... Um, Least of all <laughs> is that they chose to kill their kids. Uh, so yeah. that's... They chose to kill their kids? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of handing including, them... Including... 
Claudio? Claudio shows away? up in time. He's uh, on a date with his perfect girlfriend and gets distracted and misses his curfew. And he runs in the door just in time to see his parents bludgeon his sister to death with a hammer. Uh, so he runs away. Why is that how they would do it? Uh, yeah, because they're real fucked up. They're not real. They're not real heroes in this story. Uh, going oh. to Cambria, they're they're. I mean, they they have um, they have some points in the story where they are heroic, but overall, they they really aren't true heroes in any sense of the word. Uh, they're super messed up, uh, and Jesse as well. Jesse is actually a monster. Um, oh, Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Forget about Jesse. Oh, you can't forget about Jesse. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. Do Jesse and Claudio team up? No. Claudio oh. goes off and has his own uh, adventure that is very separate from the one of his parents. He becomes like the the head of this, you know, this new revolution. So his parents are part of the revolution that failed. Claudio becomes like mm. the new, uh, part of the new revolution the rising up yeah <laughs> do they succeed Ugh, that's complicated do they oh, yeah um i mean i don't know uh, <laughs> uh so so that that's the that's the main two parts of the story one of you know one of the more interesting things that these comic books did was in oh wait before you get into the comics what the two aspects of the story that you've covered thus far, yeah, are is that purely from albums? It's from both. Or is it it's a from it's a combination of oh, the okay. of the albums and the comic books. Tell it together. So that's um, does this bring us up to like the first five albums? Like, is is are those two story arcs? This those it? two story arcs are part of the second stage Turbine Blade album and the comic book series that coincides with that. And okay. the In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3 album and the comic book series that coincides with that. So they're titled okay, so the just same. We're, we're at two albums. We're at two. Those, those were at two albums. Cool. So those are like the two setup albums. The setup to, to Cohen Cambria's origin oh. story and the setup to Claudio's origin story. Oh, um, I thought this was it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nope. Then... <laughs> Then we get into um, uh, uh, blah, 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 the Good Apollo uh, series, the two Good Apollo albums. Uh, one is from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness, which is like the start of the new revolutionary war type uh, scenario. And the second Good Apollo, which is No World for Tomorrow, which is like the climax of the story. That's like the, the, the war that, uh, that takes place. But the I think the shining star in all of this because I mean it's it's a good story and I love it I love it because the the music adds so much to the comics that it makes it enhances the story enough so that where the story may lack it it it, it I don't know it adds emotion back into it via the music and makes that totally it, makes sense yeah yeah. <laughs> um, but especially if the music is like sort of revolutionary, it is in nature. So my this is a very brief tangent, but the first person who tried to explain Coheed and Cambria to me compared them musically to Muse, who I know does a lot of like 
we will prevail sort of like emotive yeah. songs. They're theatrical. And so I'm just assuming if it's like that, then like I could see the emotion that it's eliciting. Well, yeah, their their music is very theatrical and dramatic at parts. Mm. They span a lot of genres, but they also do a thing. Um, um, they have repetitive uh, riffs, like when you. You know, when you go to an opera or a Broadway show and the, the opening song has all of these like themes that you're going to hear throughout the story yeah. that tie it together, uh, they do that within their music. So you have that, and it spans all their albums. So like this uh, riff that you hear in a brief intro in their first album is then played like dramatically at the end of the song that's like hailing the finale of this story so it's like there's there's lots of that those repetitive that. um themes in the music yeah. it is very theatrical yeah I interrupted you're talking about the the apollo story right? <sighs> yes well there's just there's one um really interesting thing that claudio did that i've never really seen done before um which was the the comic book and the album from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness, which was loosely based on like something that Claudio went through personally, which was that he was writing this story in like in literally everything that he was doing. He was writing books, he was writing comic books, he was writing music that all like revolved in this in this world that he'd created. And he was sort of dealing with some like mild issues with with separating it from his real life because he had gotten so engrossed in the story and so he wrote one book that broke the fourth wall and was written from the perspective of <laughs> oh giddy which cat is that is that um bell is cleaning sebastian oh i can't see sebastian yeah yeah that's cute she's really getting in his ear <laughs> Good cat. Right. Um, um, so he was having a hard time separating his fiction from his reality. Yes. And so he wrote a, a book and an album that told that story just more dramatically, um, where he broke the fourth wall, wrote the story then from the perspective of the writer having a nervous breakdown and d basically dissociating and, be and not being unable to um, separate the story that he wrote from people within his own life. And it's a, uh, it's one of the more dark parts of the story for sure. It's possibly one of the more violently written parts of the story, even though the rest of it like is about a war, but, uh, but it's something I've never really seen before. And it's, it's one of my favorite parts and he's redoing it right now. Uh, the comic book for that. Uh, for that album. When, so, when does this content come out? The fourth wall. Chronologically, no. Chronologically, no. Oh. it happens um, right before, like, the, the, the climax of the story, right before the penultimate chapter. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, it, the album, and it, it sort of mixes the story up because that's what's happening to the writer at the time. He's, he's writing this story, so the story is progressing, but then we keep jumping back to his life where he's 
punishing people in his life for things that the characters in his stories have done or vice versa. He's left by his girlfriend and then takes that out on one of the fictional characters in the story Mm. that he relates to her or that he was subconsciously writing her into, uh, you know, Mm. and, and just showing how he was melding like his life and this story together. And that's also where we meet like one of my favorite characters, which is Ambelina, who is, it's so stupid. She's, uh, it, this story does like one another sci-fi trope that I actually kind of like, which is to suggest that like gods or like fictional things uh, like that are are real, but they're just not what we thought that they were. So like in this story, mm. um, angels exist, but they're not what humans have told about in stories. But they're like a, a right. race of winged, you know. Um, creatures that live in the stars and have in the past briefly um, meddled with the affairs of, of humankind and that's why they appear in our stories and things like that. And okay. they do that again here when the war is starting to break out. They decide that they want to have a um, hand in this fight. Uh, and so Ambelina volunteers to do so uh, and it's like a whole big dramatic thing where she she burns off her wings so that she can walk among uh, the humans and and aid them in their fight. Mm. And uh, it's uh, yeah, I like her a lot because because of the people that I initially interacted with who were fans. Sure, I'm wondering and. And a couple of the things that you've said. Yeah. Without judgment, I'm wondering how women are treated. To be completely honest, I mean, I've always been, I've always been treated like family at Koei shows. So I don't, I I, I have no. I mean, in the content, how the female characters Um, are treated. I'm a little, feeling a little. I know. It's not. I, I have to say there's no I it's not it's not above criticism for me. It's um and I I recognize that Claudio himself, because he's rewriting that chapter, and I've reread the new um the new uh, uh chapters that he's put out for that, and he's already I, I think he's grown a bit because he's made it more clear that the these male protagonists in the story are not great people. Uh, and, sure. and there, and there is some, some very dark, uh, and unfair representation of women in the original version of that comic that has not been repeated in the new one and has actually been okay. sort of maybe <coughs> intentionally, uh, uh, circumvented. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it's definitely not a particularly, uh, progressive, you know, storytelling, uh, it, you know, um, Claudio. My concern specifically arose around the girlfriend punishment. Yeah, part. it was. That felt a little bit like neckbeardy to me. It was, you know, but it was like, yeah. um, in... I wish I could, let me see. 
So, so the way that the, the story goes, so his, his girlfriend leaves him in this story. The writer's perspective is that she like leaves and betrays him, but it's written in a way that we as the audience know that he was, he deserved to have been left and that he's having a, uh, that he's not responding like a normal person and that this is not good. Mm. So that part, it, it is, it is, especially in the new version, it's made very clear that he's not, uh, he's not responding to interpersonal relationships normally because he's had a psychotic break. Um, and that's what we're supposed to be taking away from it. Um, but it is, he's still sort of romanticized as the writer character, regardless. The, I'm curious to see where he, where he goes with it in this new version, because they didn't really, um, he never really closed that chapter in the last version. Um, he didn't like Mm. say how the writer, uh, resolved and was able to like go back to, to being able to separate the two. Um, he didn't really like close the chapter cleanly. And, and that was part of like, he released a statement saying that like he, in his first attempt to write it, he didn't write it chronologically. So there, nothing, it didn't seem to flow. So he's trying to tell the story Mm -hmm. more completely now. So um, it's nice that he's created his own form of media. I don't know, whatever you want to call this, because I can't think of anything analogous to having the novel and the comic and the music. Um, because he's completed or he's created this completely unique thing, I feel like it empowers him to like repcon it when he needs to. Yeah, and he can and you know, and, and, mean, and without I think, it being you know, sort of he's scathed. been he's been writing this also since he was a very, very young person. So he's I think grown and changed a lot since that happened, which shows sure. in in the progression of the story and like as you, as I have read, like chronologically, it it doesn't pan out. But in how, um, in in terms of the order in which these things he's produced have come out, the female characters have become more, and like have gotten more um, agency within the story. Like he wrote a prologue, but that was one of the more recent things that he put out, and the characters in that are a lot more diverse and engaged and than in the first few books that he wrote. So I think like he's sort of grown a bit and obviously um, his writing has too, which is why the way that it's piecing together with the prologues is reminding me of Animorphs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not as woke as Animorphs. Oh, I didn't think Animorphs was super woke. That was because that was a joke, Avalon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I knew that. Okay, good. I totally knew that. Great. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. So do you want to tell me about the storyline of the Apollo Wars? So, uh, no, because what I want I you to do right is I want you to read one. All right. Read one comic, read one novel. I would settle for one comic. That would be fine. But I would How be... thicker the no- novels? Are they like real books? Is that the comic or the book? That's the book. Oh. It's not that bad. No, it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's, it's I, I, you know. I thought it'd be like, have you seen the Witcher books by any chance? I thought it'd be like that. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not like, it's not like that at all. Okay. 
uh, the big fat high the prologue. The prologue yeah. book is is daunting. It's humongous. It's okay. Bible sized. It's I can't. He like didn't make music for a long time because he was writing that shit. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So this is okay. So, but specifically, uh, that's where you want me to come in. Yeah. Is the Apollo stuff? Yes, there. because I think it's and obviously the album that goes with it. Yeah, I actually I have a couple of songs that I've that I picked that I think you won't hate. That I'll. You don't want me to listen to the full album. Uh, I mean, if you're up for it, I would love for you yeah, to I do mean, that. What is it like half an hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. What? All right. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure that I do it right in terms of like sequence. So would you say read first or listen first? Read first, then listen. I think. Okay. That's my, that's my opinion. That's not, okay. it's not necessarily how it has to be, but I think that works the best. Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll happily do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm open to homework. Can we talk about the music? Hell yeah, we can. More? Okay, so you just talk to me about the music. Oh, God. Okay. What are, what's the band like? What's the makeup of the band? What's, do you have a sense of their, like, influences? Oh, man. Are they, so they've, they've spanned a lot of genres. So they, they started a... I guess I would call them like a grunge band when they first started. Give me a year. So 2001 is right. That's when they started. Well, no, when they first when they first first started when they were Shibuti, which was when they were writing the Bag Online Adventures. That's 1995. 2001, oh, they had changed their name. They released their first album as Coen Cambria, and they are, I guess, part of this big deal. So like. They've been a grunge band. They've been a, like, emo band. They've been a prog rock band. And they have definitely been a metal band. And now, actually, their their last album, Color Before the Sun, was sort of like a, a little bit pop punky, if, if, if I had to put a label on it. So they've really, they've really <laughs> done a lot of different things. Um... So when you say they span different genres, I assumed you meant that the tracks on the album were varied, but you mean their albums yeah. were, oh. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That's weird. Um, each album is sort of like this, listening to a different band. Um, <coughs> huh. um, if not for those defining tracks and melodies that keep bringing the music back to the story you might lose it. Uh, the Color Before the Sun, the one that's maybe the most different, is also the one that is separate from the story. That's the like pop punky type of album that they just came out oh, with the in new one. 2017. Yeah. So how do you feel about the fact that they ditched the story? Because I don't know. This feels like more than a break. I was horrified by it for a long yeah. time. And then a miracle happened, Avalon. They put on a show recently that I was not at, and I want to cry because I was not at it, but they played yeah. a brand new song for the first time at that show. And then after that got leaked from somebody who snagged a recording of it, uh, they released a couple of, like, 
teaser posts on Instagram and on YouTube and finally just dropped the official statement that they're coming out with a new album that is back in the universe in a different timeline but a part of the same story. It's going to be a new epic. They're starting like a whole new story in the same universe. Was the story wrapped up? It was so beyond wrapped up that, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that okay. I Great. I wanted okay. them to keep coming out with new content for it, but like they beat it to death. Like they, okay. <laughs> you know, they did prequels and, and epilogues and fourth wall breaking stories and it, they, they really, really maxed out yeah. that story. <laughs> um, okay. So... Well, good then, because I, yes. I I assumed like with so many other things we cherish, that it was incomplete. Yeah. And the creator ran out of inspiration. No, it sounds, okay. and the song sounds really good. So um, great, I'm very very happy. I've loved them since I was oh god, what was I fifteen? And it's just it's never waned. It's. It hasn't at all. I, I mean, if you love something at 15, it will never wane. That is 100% not true. There are a ton of things yeah. that I don't care about what? anymore since I'm 15. I don't know. Yeah. Most things I cared about when I was 15, I don't care about anymore. Music, though? Yeah, I mean, I don't listen to Anti-Flag anymore. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. If, I mean, if I hear if I hear any music from like a, a very emotionally developmental age, oh like that, sure. I'm like I, I get reminiscent and it. like and like nostalgic, but like I'm not waking up every day and like putting on a Blink One Eight Two album and like actively seeking that <laughs> that out. Valid. Okay. You know, it's yeah. It, it, it can. This is like. I, I actively wake up in the morning and and I'm, and I'm usually thinking about them. <laughs> so, I think though, honestly, in terms of the bands or the music that was most important to me at that time, I think that if they had died, or if they had not disappointed me for a decade yeah. afterwards, that I probably still would feel really attached. Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, yeah. So. Let me think. Do you have any other questions for me? Yeah. Um, how many people are in the band? Uh, Does it rotate? Are other people creatively involved, or is it just Claudio? Claudio, Claudio really is creatively the forefront. Uh, but there are four pieces. They're four piece, but I do know that they live. They perform with more bodies sometimes because they have, they have a lot going on. In, as, in terms of creating the music, uh, they're all creatively involved. But in terms of the story and the content, that's Claudio's brainchild. Okay. Um, so that's also why I think the color before the sun sounds so differently because I think the. Uh, the band as a whole wanted to take a break and kind of tell their own like stories, their own, the, the, the songs on that album are about things that they've all gone through uh, and not anything fictional. So I think it sounds so different because it's coming from a completely different creative collaboration. What kind of things that they've gone through, like things that pertain to being in the band? 
No, like their personal lives, their their relationships, their you know okay. personal struggles. Uh, um, one of the songs is about one of them having you know they're learning their relationship with their kid and like it's it's all it's all about personal oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's very different. How attractive? Cla- uh, Claudio Sanchez, I think, is a good-looking really? dude. I also think that his hair. Is it long? It's extremely long. It is yeah, extremely fluffy. And I feel like it's the source of his power. And I feel (laughs) weirdly attracted to it, even though on any other human, I would not be. Deal breaker. Yeah. What's his last name? Sanchez. Where are they from? Uh, Where are they from? That's great. Oh, wow. Nyack. What's that? Westchester. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Actually. That doesn't tell me a lot in terms of like musical influence, but that's okay. No, there's no there's no point in talking about musical influence with them. I mean, I but I I need that context for music. I'm I'm like that. What they say is Led Zeppelin, Pink yeah. Floyd, The Police, okay, and Queen. The Police, yes, <laughs> and that's but that's that's what I need you to know in terms of how different all of their music sounds from each album to album it's all that those are their influences zeppelin and pink floyd totally makes sense in terms of yeah drama and theatricality and score building and concept yes but then you have to listen to claudio's voice and then you realize that the police and queen have have (laughs) Uh, oh really, yeah. queen that's an excellent influence the police yeah. is a weird influence yeah okay yeah <laughs> okay all right so that gives me a little more context the timeline that they're coming from does not make sense to me for those influences however what you're <laughs> describing to me makes more sense for those influences yeah okay yep all right um talk to me about the dragonflies the dragonflies, yay! All right, so that's this is this is all right. So their first album that they released as Coe and Cambria, the album art on the mm-hmm. cover was just one dragonfly, and I had not heard of them prior to this. This was when I was about fifteen, um, mm-hmm. and I was in high school one day. I don't know. I've probably told you this story before, but I'm gonna tell it again. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. No, really? This is how I found out about Coen Cambria. It's a really big deal to Mm. me. Um, Yeah, this is the thing that you should be saying. (laughs) Yes, okay, good. (laughs) So um, so I'm in high school. Did your high school ever make you swim? My high school made me swim in the middle of fucking winter. Uh, My high school had no money. We had no music program. (laughs) We didn't have track. Track, We didn't have a football team one year. just, (laughs) Just go running outside. Um, no. no. Okay. That would have been nice. Well, yeah. I did not appreciate so no, that. I did not want to go swimming uh, in the middle of the fucking day. I fucking As love a... swimming. Yeah. I went to a, a rich kid elementary school for like one year, and we got to go swimming in the middle of the day, and I thought it was amazing. Well, sure. Okay, as a little kid or as a fuck it adult now, great. I'd love yeah. to go swimming in the middle of the day. As a 15-year-old teenage girl who just learned how to straighten her hair. I do not want to get inside a pool at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and then go to the rest of my classes with my peers afterwards. 
did not like I it. also would not want to be in a swimming suit. And in a swimsuit in a co-ed gym class. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Yeah. Hated it. Hated every minute of it. I usually got out of it because I had just been diagnosed with lupus and I was keenly learning to abuse that. So I just, sure. <laughs> because my gym teacher didn't know what it was, so I would just tell her, I can't yeah. swim, I have lupus. Uh, eventually she... <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. <laughs> Eventually, she got wise and was like, I don't really understand this, but you look fine, so get in the pool. So I got in the pool, and I hated it. Uh, we had this kid in our high school. This is a pre-9-11 America, and we had a kid who we somewhat lovingly referred to as Bomb Threat Brian, because whenever he didn't want to go to school, he just called in a bomb threat. And this sure. was pre-9-11, so you could do that and not go to prison. Um, so he, he would do that, uh, and it was just a usual occurrence, but we all had to leave the school and let the fire department search the school, and eventually someone would call Brian's mom, and she'd be like, oh, not again, and then, you know. Oh, Where is yeah. Brian now? I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, so... So Bomb Threat Brian was in one of his moods. He called in a bomb threat, uh, to the school. And we all had to leave, and I was in a pool, and I was wet, and it was December. So oh, no. I went outside in a towel for an hour in December, soaking wet. And I was freezing and very unhappy. And when the fire department finally was like, it's okay, it was just Brian, and then they let us back into the <laughs> building, <laughs> I was so cold that... When we passed by the main office, I just dipped my hand into the lost and found and pulled out the first hoodie that I could find. And I just pulled it over uh -huh. myself. And it didn't have any words on it. It just had a green dragonfly on the front. And then a bunch of people started, like, passing me in the hallway. I mean, like, Diana, I had no idea. You like going Cambria? Cool. And I was, like, a teenager, so I was like, of course I do. Uh, never yeah, of course. <laughs> never, never having heard of them before in my life. And then I went home, and I went on BearShare, and I downloaded every... What the fuck is BearShare? BearShare. It was, uh, you know... That was not on my radar. <laughs> that, of all of the music ripping platforms, I've never heard of Bear Share. Yeah, that was a okay. Bear Share, sure. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't LimeWire yet. I know that. Oh. So, so I downloaded like their entire discography up until that point, um, and became chemically dependent on them from that moment forward. Uh, so, if you had passed me in the hall instead of those people, and I had been like. Coheating Cambria, what the fuck, Diana? Yeah, you never, you never would have known. I never would have known because you are, <laughs> you are, uh, uh, or or not just me, but someone analogous in their shittiness. Well, you know what? I guess as long as I had gotten to the music and listened to it, I still would have become obsessed because people were and have been continuously shitty to me for liking Cohen Cambria, like repetitively over the years and still currently to this day. Um, I'm not being shitty. No, no. I'm just saying that other oh. people are. You're being fine. Okay. Yeah. I'm putting effort. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's fine. I also, I am committed to... Every homework assignment I'm committed to going into genuinely with an open mind. 
Because I want you to do the same, and I know you'll do the same for me. Yeah. So if I like really get myself riled up against it, then I won't be able to. Yeah. No, please don't. Yeah. And like, um, yeah. no, I definitely, I, I definitely am not like uh, uh, illusioned by by this story at all. It's definitely flawed. It's definitely uh, there are you know there's so many gaps in the storytelling. There's lots of loopholes and um, continuity errors and and things like that. It's definitely it's definitely something I love a lot because of its emotional connection to me maybe more so than that the content is genuinely flawless. Uh, and yeah, that's but, very relatable. But, yeah. uh, but I still think that despite its cliches, despite it's maybe some problematic areas, that it still is genuinely good. Well, cool. Okay, good. Well, that's Cohen um, Cameron. So the dragonflies don't have any significance. They're they, just like <coughs> what was on the album cover. No. So the, the dragonfly, the dragonfly artwork for that first album was chosen because dragonflies have like this symbolic meaning of like rebirth. And that's kind of where the story starts is like the rebirth of the human race, like in this new, um, in this new universe. And also like the rebirth of this, um, new revolution and things like that. It's not, it's not really like it, it doesn't have any, um, science fiction-y relevance to the story. It's just symbolic. Um, but that's, but that was why, that was why I liked it. Um, do they ever exist or are they ever referenced in the content besides just the cover? Yeah, no, they're just, uh, they're, the imagery of them is like peppered throughout the comic books as a oh, symbol. Okay. It's not, it's not like they are cool. a plot device. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Yeah. 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 They don't need to be a plot device, but I need them to just not just be on the cover. No, 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 no. They're like, they're yeah. peppered in as like, as just as visual symbolism for, for this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else that I want to know? Do you want to know? What do you want to know, Avalon? I'm trying to think. Because this is sort of fascinating to me because it has, it's popped up in my life a couple of times Never positively. But it's weird that I haven't ever looked into it for the fact that it's popped up a few times. And, like, I, I really... I, I do consider myself to be a music person. Um, so you would think. But, yeah. Do you like What's, at all a lot... Yeah. Uh, do you like any metal music at all? Because that doesn't strike me as you. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Um, I don't hate it, but I... Like, if I was in a bar that was playing it, I wouldn't feel kind of anxious to leave um but I don't really seek it out okay okay that's why yeah, that's it's not my thing that's why I asked before because I feel like there's a little bit of Cohen Cambria that is for everyone just because of how different some of their music is but um yeah, yeah. my um my issue with metal generally is more the vocals than the guitar ah uh, or the uh, and I'm assuming that the vocals aren't. Yeah. I'm assuming oh, it's just uh, that the guitar in, playing in, in, is like fast and the riffs are. Yeah. In few select parts, he does get a bit screamy, but really for the most part, his vocals are melodic. So it's, it is screamy a little bit is okay. It's the growling thing that I don't like. Very rare in his music. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. That's fine. And if anything, I just don't like it because I, I like to hear lyrics. Yeah. Um, and I like the voice as an instrument. 
And that just, yeah, yeah. that's usually what throws me more with metal. Yeah, uh, I get that. So, uh, so I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, in terms of metal. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. I think I would probably have a harder time with it if it was like super electronic. That's probably where I would. No, although I forgot to mention, he does have a side project that is 100% electronic. That is the story of Jesse. (laughs) Jesse on his own, called the Prize Fighter Inferno. Why does that need to be a side project? Because Jesse sort of went off on his own and like separated from the rest of the KBI and from the rest of the revolution and did his own thing for a while. And also, it's like completely electronica. It's super different and so weird. Uh, but I like it a lot, too. That's funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know more about Jesse. Jesse's a monster. As a character. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm more interested in Jesse. If only because of how stupid his name is. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to, like, the rest of these sci-fi names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That's Cohen Cam. I'm, I'm... All right. I'm... What? What's my emotion about trying this? hesitant trepidatious yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i know oh god because i think that cons conceptually um this whole like multi-form content single creator thing is very appealing to me but i just don't know if i'm gonna like the execution so all right i'm i'm ready to be really heartbroken (laughs) Because I don't think you're going to like it, but I want you to anyway. I'm sure that no matter what, I'll find something about it that I like. Because you were really nice about Sailor Moon, and I'm (laughs) never going to forget that. (laughs) Well, thanks, Avalon. Uh, All right. How am I going to... Well, I guess I'll talk about how I'm going to get my hands on this stuff. Oh, I'll send it to you. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't worry. I got you. (laughs) I got you. All right. Well, I guess that's the episode. That what is. What are you going to go do now? I'm going to go to work. Um, I'm not going to fix I guess my I'm hair. I'm going to do that too. Yeah. All right. But in the meantime, find oh, yeah. us in all the places. All the places? Like, oh, I don't know. Say social media? Yeah. All of them. Like at Femsplained Podcast on Instagram and Femsplained Cast on Twitter, at Femsplained Podcast on Facebook. The blog is femsplainpodcast.wordpress.com. And yeah, those are our social medias. That is a lot, but not too many. No, it's the right amount. Um, and don't forget uh, that you can listen to us on Google Play, on iTunes, on Podbean. Was there a fourth one? Stitcher. 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 Oh, good for us. Regardless of which location you're listening to us, if you can leave us a review, whether it's five stars or preferably a little bit of a blurb, uh, that would be incredibly helpful for us to reach new listeners. Um, And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email us at femsplainedpodcast at gmail.com, especially pictures of turtles. We're still waiting. The endless quest. Uh, all right, I have to take off all of my Coat and Cambria merch and put on a suit so I can go to work. All right. Well, I don't. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> right, bye, Avalon. I'm on summer vacation. Oh, Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>